everyone, and welcome to another edition of The Way with Anoa. I'm your hostess, the Moses Anoa Changa, and tonight I'm joined by Attorney Gerald Griggs, local Atlanta. Very exciting. Um, really want to dig in a little bit tonight about uh, a really huge issue. I think it's actually one of the the, the most um, stories of the election cycle, and definitely now in 2017, um, as we look forward to, 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 to the midterms in 2020 and beyond. You know, this new voter fraud commission uh, in, a, in a few minutes to talk more about uh, created by President Head by Chris Kobach uh, cross check himself. Uh, you know, voter suppression was a huge problem, you know, basically since 2013 and really was not was not really addressed on the national various party leaders as it could have been. And that's just my assessment. I'll, I'll I'll say in a few minutes, um, but but you know if we're really looking at the challenges that we're having, not just here in the South, but in you know you've you've had issues out in Arizona and other places. When we're really looking at you know the challenges that have been had that people have had accessing not just accessing the ballot box, but exercising their rights in a democratic society, um, this has been at the you know voter disenfranch voter disenfranchisement, voter suppression. I mean, this is definitely. So much news right now, particularly about the investigation involving Russia and other issues. And not that that isn't, you know, something that's important, of course, but it's just disconcerting to me to see how little information in our mainstream media is actually put in terms of dealing with the issue of voter suppression. Um, so we're, we're going to I just wanted to give a, a brief shout out real quick to Danny Glover, not the actor, um, the, the organizer activist for... Um, I believe it was HBCU outreach director was his title on the Bernie Sanders campaign down in Macon. Um, Danny is an exceptional young brother. Danny has started a community development corporation and is bringing the first. I mean, he's he's, he's trying to resolve an issue of, of food deserts in his community on the south side of, of Macon. Um, and let me just read for you. The project is um, his development corporation is One South Community Development Corporation, and hopefully, I'll be able to have Danny on soon so we can talk about this um, some more. I really want to be cutting of their project, but what's really great about this that he he calls this um, Georgia's first agri. Um, it's it's you know community, it's urban farming, it's really trying to put you know people put the means of production in people's hands so to speak, right? Like their food desert. We have some land. We have people. We're going to make it happen. And that's 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 what this is all. People doing good, getting getting back to the community, digging for ourselves. So um, when I saw his post earlier, I was just like, "Yay, that's so wonderful!" So I definitely would love to have him come on and talk and, and just share with us kind of what their what their process is, where they're going, and, and it's really exciting to see folks that are giving back to the community. And I know that's like cliche, but what we really do need to have. In- in our own spaces, right? Instead of looking for women and fix it, we have a lot of strength and wonderful people right, right in our our own that can really make many things happen. The other thing I wanted to mention really briefly, briefly some of you may have seen um, my my shares about the Scott twins up um, there in the suburbs of Boston. There um actually has a has a policy concerning makeup and hair and and other stuff and but it's being specific against young women predominantly young black women um you know black students who wear their hair in in braid extensions um and and I, the way it reads it seems to be any type of hair extensions the uh, the alleged purpose for this policy is to um for for the school is to one, you know, promote, you know, more unity in the educational environment and stuff, but also to discourage conversation with the parents. What's interesting is that it's not being forced. It talks about, you know, um, you know, they they do like some schools have policies about unnatural hair color. So like if your kid is dying hair blue or purple or whatever, um, you know, it's a policy about certain types of makeup and nail polish and things. So it's actually not being enforced in those instances. And according to the parents and others, there actually are kids who are violating the rule in that way. And apparently up until April, 
policy actually wasn't even enforced. Their daughters had never really worn braided extensions. Um, for, for those watching, you know, my hair is in cornrows, but these are braided extensions. So if I was a kid at this school, I too could be getting in trouble. Um, and the idea that it's about materialism, it really undermines and does not understand uh, black women, hair, culture. I mean, there's so many different levels to what is wrong with such a policy and why it's extremely problematic. Um, thankfully, you know, the ACLU has gotten involved and, and, and filed a complaint against the um, the school, uh, the, the local NAACP chapter up there, as long as as well as the um, Anti-Defamation League. So so uh, the Lawyers Committee of Self, of, um, not self <laughs> think about the Black Panther Party, but the Lawyers Committee for Civil Rights and the Law. So several different groups are, are coming together and rallying around this family, as well as the other young women involved. They These girls have been, we're simply having braids. You know, and that's, these are academically talented young women as well. I mean, this would be disruptive to anyone's environment, no matter what. But it's just they're not doing anything wrong. You know, this idea how a distraction or takes away from the environment. We have our body stages of our interactions with with institutions in this society. And it's such a problem. You know, so by the time you're getting to be my age, you have been marginalized, compartmentalized, um, and regulated so extensively, and, and you women <laughs> are angry. Um, but no, I'll keep you guys updated on what's going on. I'm waiting to see if they want to start. The, the, the a complaint actually has been filed by the ACLU. Um, and so, what's going on? Because this is disruptive. You know, the girls are involved in track, they're involved in other things, and discipline, you know, disciplinary actions happen your ability to, to partake in extracurriculars and other things like that. If you're getting suspended, there has been some uh, threats of suspension for some of the girls involved. So it's it's a real serious issue. And, and even though that's all the way up in Boston, as a Black woman, as a mother, it is definitely, is definitely twins definitely have, have my support. So I am going to, we need to protect Thank you so much for joining, Daniel. Um, we need to protect net neutrality. Yes, I am suggestion on someone who would be awesome to talk about that sh subject. I would love to have them on because neutrality, if you already know or have some good sense about it, but like being able to access, like me right now, getting ready to do this interview that I'm about to do, internet unencumbered, right? Um, uncensored with in terms of the content and people being able to dictate who getting access uh, uh, is, is so crucial. You know, when we talk about media and democracy, we talk about this information age that we're, we're in and being able to share and disseminate, you know, messaging to, 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 to in some cases, if you're, if you're having a big enough platform, millions of people at a time is, is so crucial to the work that many of us are engaging and involving in. And so, yes, it is definitely something that we need to protect and focus on. So I'm going to bring in my guest now, um, attorney Gerald Griggs. How y'all doing? doing? I'm doing pretty good. Awesome. Um, so just wanted to, if you could just, it's just, you are, I believe it's your vice president of the Atlanta NAACP chapter, correct? Yes. Yes. Second awesome. vice president. Second vice Um, when, when I talked to you, it's kind of breaking first, up. First, I have had a, we've had a couple exchanges in the past, but, um, what, uh, drew, what, but, oh yeah, I was supposed to interview Gerald before. Um, took part in a race series that was on TNT, and I was really impressed. Gerald had to have had to be the right word, but Gerald segment with Richard, who was made uh, uh, being controversial for back of the term, your resolve and how you were even able to, to calmly in a room and express your way that you that experience for for you um particularly in that 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 documentary and and you know inform or work tie into the work that you've been doing this inauguration period okay yeah um you know i i was able to to be uh blessed to be on this the show american race with charles barkley and, and they kind of couched it in a way where I got to talk about the work that I've been doing um, since um, the mm -hmm. election of Donald Trump and how we use the social media in, a, in an effective way. And then they kind of sprung the idea of, 
well, we kind of got this guy who we want you to to uh, be in an interview with who's using social media in a, a non-productive, distractive way. So what would you think about doing an interview with Richard Spencer? And, and I thought to myself for a minute there, like, wow, um, I, I don't really know if I can do that, if I even want to do it. But, you know, after some prayer and a, and a lot of conversation with a lot of activists and, a, and, a, and attorneys, um, I said, well, you know, I'll, I'll go ahead and do it. And, and so it, it, it turned out to be a definite experience in patience. Uh, but I think I got my point across to Mr. Spencer and his alt-right compadres uh, that, you know, we as African-Americans aren't going anywhere. And mm-hmm. by you espousing hate and saying that's your heritage, we've heard that conversation before. and We have definite pushback on that. And we're going to push back against everything we stand for. Uh, so that's kind of how the exchange went, you know, asking him. You know, he's saying, well, America is a Eurocentric nation. My question to him was, well, how do you explain the fact that the only true Americans are Native Americans and everybody else was brought here either by um, immigration or by um, by enslavement? Uh, he really had no answer for that. And then ultimately it ended with the exchange of, you know, and your great great grandkids are going to be brown because of the browning of America. And I mean, that's just a fact. Um, so, um, he was definitely an interesting individual. I think I did anger him a lot because the next week he had the rally in Charlottesville, uh, where they had the tiki torches and mm-hmm. they tried to reenact a Klan rally, which kind of underscores the hate that this man espouses, the hate that his group espouses and, and the fact that they hide behind, you know, symbolisms and, and big words, um, that mean nothing more than hate. Yeah, absolutely. And I thought that was I mean, not to, just just to back up for a second. When when that part in the show, I was watching with my younger sister and my daughter and we all like hollered. And I think I might have messaged you when I was watching it. Like he just mm-hmm. told that man his grandkids are going to be brown. I mean, what better way? And, and, and you're right. It was a fact you, you were you were so composed. Again, you were not petty. You weren't like egging him on. You were so composed. And, and, and you know, we always act like I was just impressed because. You know, in the face of someone and some of the stuff that he was saying and whether he he hypes it up for cameras or if that's just really who he is, you know, which I think kind of that's really who he is. is. Yeah, that's who he is. So so it was just it was like I said, I was just like, wow, I really would like to talk to you about that experience, because to sit there with someone saying some of the things that he was saying, like he made comments like, you know, well, white people are really good. Clearly, we're really good at slavery and murder or better to slavery than murder than everybody else. Like he was just saying so many like really like not just racist, but just really out there, very vile, debasing human existence. And I was just like, wow, Gerald is just so like together. Yeah. And one thing that I really wanted to get across to people Mm -hmm. uh, and even his supporters is Richard does not believe in the core values of America, you know, life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. He doesn't believe in that. He he said equality is BS. Uh, He actually called uh, that slogan a little homosexual slur. Uh, so yes, if yes. this is the kind of vitriol and hate that's coming from this individual, um, why are we even tolerating um, him being in the national spotlight? Uh, so I, I wanted to push back on the, that narrative. I wanted to give uh, real consideration to actual facts and actual history because this man's belief has made it all the way to the White House uh, mm-hmm. in the form of Steve Bannon. Uh, yeah. So we need to push back. You know, and I thought of my ancestors. I thought of, you know, the Harriet Tubman's of the world, the Frederick Douglass's, the Martin Luther King's, the, the Thurgood Marshall's, what they would say to this form of hate. And, and the thing that people don't really understand about Richard is he's not that old. You know, he's probably right. 36, 37 years old. So he has no idea the things he's espousing. You know, you know, being from the South, you know, having you know ancestors that were slaves and ultimately parents who grew up in the civil rights movement and actually experienced this stuff. You know, him spitting um, foolishness out of his mouth about what he believes the the white race is being um, destroyed um, by, I guess you would say, intermarriage and intermingling with the races. I mean, that's just ridiculous in 2017. And I mean, it it speaks volumes to his supporters and it speaks volumes to this president that believes in this type of foolishness when diversity is clearly the key. It's always been the key in America and, and America's always become more and more diverse. Uh, and it will continue to become more and more diverse. And I think this current movement is showing that. It's the first time in American history where you have true intersectionality of oppression and people pushing back on that oppression and they're pushing back in, mil- in the millions. So Richard needs to understand and all his supporters need to understand you can't hide on the internet anymore behind right. the egg. 
need to, you need to put a face to this and you need to come and meet with the people that you are hating against and the people that you are uh, trying to marginalize face to face. We can have an intelligent conversation and you will see that black people and brown people and that Asian people and that gay and lesbian people and transsexual people are people and they should be treated as such and they should have equality. And if you don't want that type of equality, you are free to leave this country. Absolutely. Um, and just something that you said about, you know, the reason why we're talking to people like him is because it's made all its way all the way through the White House. And, you know, people act like, you know, Trump, Trump is this particular, you know, animal that he is, right? He's this particular yes. type of person that he is. But I mean, when, when we're clear, when we look back over the last, what, two decades plus with the Republican Party and what they have bred and allowed to exist and fester that has made way for the likes of a Donald Trump, of a Steve Bannon, um, even, you know, with a Rocha Spencer on the national level now, you know, this is what they've mm-hmm. paved the way for. And, 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 you know, getting to, you know, more of the heart of your work with the NAACP and, and our conversation in terms of voting rights, you know, when we go back to 2013 and we look at the, I mean, we go back to 2010 with the massive redistricting, you know, that has happened and all the over. Ger- the and the gerrymandering, yes. The gerrymandering that happened. We look at Wisconsin, we look at places like North Carolina, you know. Um, then we, we go, we fast forward a few years to 2013 with, 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 with Shelby V. Holder, which essentially guts the vote, you know, you know which, you know, um, neuters the Got Voting it. Rights Act. Got it. Got it. Section right. Five, it guts yes. it. And, and this was the first presidential election cycle. Now, people... I think uh, there were quite a few people who knew this fact, but I don't like the, 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 the candidates, you know, whether in a primary or even, you know, with the Democratic side in the general election, really put as much emphasis on the fact that this was the first presidential election cycle in like 50 years that did not have the protections of the voting of, of, of the full, you know, faith and protection of the Voting Rights Act. And, and we saw disenfranchisement. We saw suppression happen all over the place. I mean, it was clear that, you know, not having the pre-clearance and basically going back to, you know, pre-1950s voting, um, right. you, you saw it, you saw it. And I mean, I would actually argue that the Republican Party has been doing this for almost 50 years. We have to uh-huh. remember, and I have this debate all the time on social media uh, with Richard and his, his, his ilk that want to say we need to come off the Democratic plantation. And I keep having to remind them uh, that in 1964, 1965, election when the Dixiecrats became Republicans, um, you have to understand that that history of hate started in the Republican Party from that point and has grown over the years. And we have, we had the full manifestation of that with the rise of Trump, where the alt-right and the right-wing conservatives could fully speak the hate that lived within them. Um, so, I mean, we have to address these issues that are coming from the far right that have now gotten all the way into the White House. We have to deal with gerrymandering. We have to deal with massive voter suppression through mm-hmm. um, uh, through the, uh, the the cross check system that now has a commission headed by the man who invented cross check, which is basically widespread voter suppression yep. of the likes of poll taxes and literacy tests um, that we have now to deal with. So we have to know that we are in a true new civil rights movement with both sides equally represented. It's not. It's not like it used to be where we were believing that we had uh, come into a post-racial society. That was post-racial BS. We are in a full-blown civil rights age uh, that is modernized, and we have to treat it as such. We have to come out from our silos, join with our allies on the front line, and take the fight directly to uh, the people that want to oppress us. Because the oppression is coming. I mean, you see what Jeff Sessions is already doing with reinstating the war on drugs, which is basically the war on black people. Um, you know, uh, mass incarceration and stop and frisk is about to go to a whole nother level. So mm-hmm. we have to be uh, astute at what's going, what's happening, and we have to fight back in the ways we're fighting back with the NAACP. You know, in Georgia, we have a, a, a Secretary of State who believed in the disenfranchisement, so we've had to sue him three or four times. Right, um, right now, we had a major victory uh, just last Friday uh, in Gwinnett County, where we're trying to get more um, my, minority majority representation, where now uh, uh, Judge Totenberg at the des- district court level has said that minorities can join together in 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 their claims. It doesn't have to be a singular minority uh, to have voter uh, the voter rights protection. Uh, so we, she certified the class, and we're going to push that one forward. We had a settlement 
on the exact matching system, which put voters back on the rolls, 45,000 voters that were taken off the rolls because of the exact match or cross check, whichever one you want to call it, that were put back on the rolls for the November um, um, election and that are being put back and allowed to register for the runoff election because we had to sue uh, um, um, uh, Brian Kemp. So groups like uh, Asian Americans Advancing Justice, the Lawyers Committee, uh, the Georgia NAACP are holding the Secretary of State uh, accountable here in Georgia, and we hope around the country uh, they will see the example of how you fight back. It, it's not just marches. Of course, I love marches. They're great. It's a great time. You get to, you know, raise your voice in First Amendment protests. But it's also lawsuits. It's also elections. It's also um, voter registration and voter mobilization. And, and that's what we have to do. We have to do it using tools just like this. You right. have to have access to the people and the way to get the access to the people is to one thing I give Donald Trump credit for. He's right. You have to circumvent the media because they, they got a narrative out there. Um, but we have to go directly uh, to where the people are and give them the information um, so they can empower themselves and then go out uh, into the courthouses, into the town halls, into the streets and, and make change. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And I, yeah, I just, you know, I really like what you what you noted there. Right. It's not just one of any of these things. It's 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 all right. We, we have exactly. all these different tools in our toolkit and we need to be working together, utilizing them and maybe in leveraging relationships, maybe in ways that have not been done before or ways that maybe not have been the conventional way. And it's really interesting what you noted about how to certify the class. You can combine groups that are being yes. disenfranchised and not just have to have a certain amount of any one group to do it. That That is, I think, crucial, especially when we look at the way in particular areas, particularly when we're talking about down here in Gwinnett County and Georgia six um, with the runoff with the, uh, uh, with the, with the additional days for voter registration, because that was actually pretty interesting that there was a per Georgia law, the way it was set up, there were people who would not be able to run, who would not be able to vote in the runoff because the deadline was so far ahead of time. And, and, and mm-hmm. just, just watching the quick mobilization from a legal strategy standpoint, I thought was very, very cool to see unfold and, and see it get resolved. So I, I like that you mentioned those different aspects. Like it's great, like you said, to march and it really shows strength. It is pretty stunning to see tens of thousands of people or in some cases, hundreds of thousands of people come out for something that they all shared values and beliefs. You know, you do feel a sense of camaraderie, but, but, but beyond the marching, right? beyond the, the resistance actions, actually getting into legal strategy, actually getting into, like you said, voter registration, voter med- mobilization, voter education and outreach, right? Like, so there are all these other things that we need to be working on, particularly when we're facing such a threat at the federal level with someone like Chris being in charge of this voter fraud um, commission. Now for just, just some folks yeah. who may watch, you know, who may not understand why that's so problematic. Can you just talk a little about why having a focus on voter fraud is such an issue? Well, here's a narrative that they're trying to push. They're trying to push that, you know, hundreds of thousands of people vote illegally. And so there's a need to purge the voting roll. There's a person that has the same name, same date of birth in Georgia. They're going to purge both of those in both states. And it's, it's disproportionately disenfranchising African-Americans. It's disproportionately disenfranchising uh, Asian-Americans and Hispanic Americans uh, because of the way the name's from. I mean, if you Sanchez, mm-hmm. you might have a hyphenated. They don't put the hyphen in there. So now you got rid of all the Rick Sanchez's. And so now you're removing all these people from the roles. And so now you are empowering a group that is uh, becoming smaller and smaller. That would be the white majority. And right. we know the browning of America is happening. And so they're trying to empower that group by disenfranchising other groups. And so this is why it's important. And Mr. Kobosh, who's the, the leader of this, has now been named to uh, commission to do all of this around the nation. And so the, when you understand that if you are a dying majority, the best way to keep the majority is to suppress the minority, which is becoming the majority. We need databases that we can go through to purge wholesale people from the registry, from the rolls. And so that's why lawsuits, um, you know, by the Georgia NAACP, by the Asian Advancing Justice, um, by the Lawyers Committee, pushing back on this is, is so important. And people need to understand the, the tools that they're using, where there's voter identification cards, which I, I don't understand why in Iraq they can use their thumbprint. Why do we need to have uh, ID cards? Why do you need to, to do these things? They're also lessening the amount of early voting precincts in certain um, uh, voting precincts that are predominantly African-American or, or Asian-American or 
Hispanic American, or even in some one case in Macon, they moved the precinct uh, from the precinct to the sheriff's department in an intimidation factor. I mean, how many people are going to go to the sheriff's department to go vote? Well, I mean, that just makes no sense. But on his face, it looks, um, you know, like it's not, right. it's nothing. It's not having that impact, but it's it's what they're trying to do de facto. You know, it's not like actual segregation anymore. We're doing de facto stuff now. And so you have to keep an eye out on all of these things that are going on and make sure you empower yourself to know the tools of voter suppression. Because let's get something straight. Voter fraud is not a thing. There have been four prosecuted cases of voter fraud and three of them were Republicans. So I'm just saying, if there's anybody cheating to steal an election, well, we already know what's happened with Russia. So if these are the things, the tools they're using, we need to be aware of them and we need to drive the narrative that voter fraud is not a thing. Voter suppression is very real and it's coming to a town near you. Mm. I mean, putting a voting, a polling place in a in a sheriff's office. Sheriff's that's, I mean, I know people go vote at a school or community centers, but that's, uh, yeah. Um, so, so just, 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 just building on that though. Right. Like, like you just said, like, it's not a, it's not a real issue. And I even think where Chris Kobach, like he was secretary of state, I think in Kansas. And I think something like his whole tenure, they might've had nine cases, nine out of all the people who vote in in Kansas, they may have had nine cases. The the, the millions of people that voted in Kansas. Yeah. This is, this is, this is a waste of not only waste of resources, but it clearly is not meant to, like you said, suss out those who may be inappropriately um, uh, uh, accessing the voting system. Um, and, and, and I think you raised another good point about the, the not just the integrity, but the manner in which we, we, we are engaging in the voting process. I mean, there have been issues with voting machines all over the country, at least since 2004, 2000, right? And, yes. and we still use these same machines. We saw um, accounts coming out of the out of uh, Detroit after the two thousand the, the November election that there were machines that were broken. We've seen places that have ridiculously long lines because they don't have enough machines, or, they, or the polls open late, or there's so many other minor, what seemingly minor issues in comparison that really do disenfranchise. They they they, they disengage. They cause hindrances to people's ability to access that right. And, and, and so what should people, like, what can people do locally? Like, what can people do on the community level, on the state level? How can people get more involved in helping to make sure that this is something that is actually addressed properly and not just, I mean, raging about, you know, maybe some of the federal stuff that we can't necessarily directly affect? Well, what you can do, and we did it in the sixth district, you know, with mm-hmm. the, the lawsuit to, um, to, make sure that you have, because the federal law says you have 30 days before every election you right. have to register, up to 30 days to register people to vote. So even in a runoff, which is what we sued the Secretary of State and a federal court, court judge issued uh, an injunction allowing the people to register up to May the 21st, I believe. Uh, but one thing they can do is go down to the local board of elections in your county and ask and demand for more early voting sites. And we did that here in DeKalb County. Uh, there are now six early voting precincts for the sixth district election. And that doesn't even cover all of DeKalb County because it's not all yeah, in DeKalb, DeKalb County. County. Just vote in the sixth district is right. pretty big. But the fact that they packed that board of elections meeting, that was the first time that, you know, it was standing room only. You can do things like this. These are open meetings. Go to these meetings. Go to your local town hall meetings. Go to your local city council or your township or your county government meeting. You'll be amazed how easily you can get in the public comment section and make public comment and hold mm-hmm. your elected officials accountable. Because what we've learned after this election is most of the time people don't engage with their local elected officials. Now is the time to engage. Not when they're out looking for your vote. That's too late. You need to go to every committee meeting, every council meeting, every uh, county meeting, and ultimately every state level meeting. Because if you're amazed, you go down to the gold dome and it's a different world under that gold dome. I mean, it's like South Georgia in there. And I don't understand how it's like South Georgia in there. But we got to go and we got to make sure our voices are being heard. And you know what? You need to hold your local um, senators and representatives accountable because they're saying one thing when they're on uh, the campaign trail. They're voting another way. And so that's how you can you can mobilize that way. Get their email address. There's an app on Facebook where you can look up every single elected official in your zip code and you can know them. It's got the email address, their phone numbers. Call them. 
email them. Mm-hmm. Make sure that the people that work for you work for you and not these paid lobbyists. I've been down to the, the Gold Dome in the 40 days that they were in session. I was down there 20 days. Mm. I saw lobbyists after lobbyists after lobbyists. And my response to them and the lobbyists is I represent more votes than you do. The last time you know we checked, there was 65,000 Georgians in the street uh, you know, back in January 21st. So, I mean, that's 65,000. So we need to, that's what you need to do. Hold them accountable for your vote. You know, make them do the things that are responsive. You want criminal justice reform? Go down there and demand criminal justice reform. And I'll give you a secret on how you get to criminal justice reform without even passing another law. It's called jury duty. Please stop trying to get out of jury duty. You go sit on the jury, make the state prove their case beyond a reasonable doubt in every single case. And you can force criminal justice reform so that brown and black folks are not disproportionately going to prison. That's the easiest way to do it. Um, that's what I tell everybody when I have an opportunity. Don't try to figure out a way to get out of jury duty because one day it's going to be a family member or a friend or yourself that's sitting next to that defense attorney hoping that people can they can get a jury of their peers uh, that will uh, listen to the case and hold the state to their burden. Uh, so that's that's things you can do on the local mm-hmm. level. And, and, you know, tell a friend, you know, use your social media for positive. You know, I get tired of seeing posts about love and hip hop about basketball wives and all this stuff that has no effect on us, but you don't know who your state representative is. You don't know who your local council person is. You don't know who's who's controlling your school systems or your school board, and you're wondering why the kids aren't being educated properly. These are the things that need to be important. These are things we need to share and we need to have information on. And then once we get those things fixed, yeah, you can have a little ratchetness. <laughs> yeah hilarious do the work and and save the ratchet for later I love exactly exactly so what else is what else are are you all working on um georgia naacp atlanta nwc what else is work with what else are you guys working on locally um at the moment as as we're looking beyond you know j21 happened j21 happened and, and you know there's all this work that happens you know there's already the, whatever ongoing work you guys have been already on. How did, how did, you know, Trump's election, how did any of that, if, if at all, did it change your focus or anything that you've already been, been doing? Well, you know, after um, November the 8th, November the 9th, I woke up with a headache and I was angry. Um, and I took about a day, day and a half. And then I realized we got to organize and strategize like we never did before. So what I mm-hmm. did was I took a chance uh, and I got a book um, from um, Dr. Bernice King. And the name of the book was um, Community or Chaos. It's the very last book by Dr. King. And okay. um, Dr. King t- talked about the strategies in the civil rights movement. And he talked about the difference between the poor white and the poor Negro. And of course, we're not Negroes anymore. We're African-Americans. Uh, but he still spoke to the same thing. We have to speak to the issues that are common to all Americans. And we have to touch them in a way that they haven't been touched before. The poor white person needs to understand that the same wants and the same needs that he has, the same wants and needs of the Muslim American, of the African American, uh, of the LGBTQ Americans. And we have to make them understand that. And we have to do that in a way that speaks to their humanity. It speaks to our humanity. And we have to let our elected officials know we're watching them. And so what it made us do at the NAACP was to make sure that people know beyond a shadow of a doubt that the monster that is the NAACP is woke. And trust me, the monster is awoke. And what we're doing is we're mobilizing. We've been a part of every single march, every single rally that you've heard of in Atlanta and Georgia, uh, well before November, but now after November. You know, uh, and so what we're doing is we're partnering with groups, partnering with Black Lives Matter, we're partnering with our Muslim brothers and sisters. We're partnering with our LGBTQ brothers and sisters. We're partnering with the Women's March. We're partnering with everybody to understand that we may have come over in a, on a different ship, but we're all in the same boat now. And what we are doing is putting together town hall meetings, rallies, and we're pushing the vote for the 6th District because we're going to change the 6th District. And then we're pushing the vote towards November when the mayoral election occurs 
and we're going to change the face of Atlanta. And we are giving voice to the gentrification that is happening in this city because a lot of people are talking about stuff that's going on on the federal level, and we can't really control that with the exception of the 6th District race until we get to uh, next November in 2018 when we will turn right. this whole state blue. But, uh, and again, the NAACP is nonpartisan, but Gerald Griggs, the attorney, um, is very <laughs> much so partisan. So I like just, that's, that, I, I like got to be real. Thing. The NAACP is nonpartisan. We will support any candidate that wants to come and speak directly to the people. We'll get the people there and you can make your pitch. Uh, but, you know, so those are the things that we are doing. I mean, again, we've filed at least 15, 20 lawsuits uh, on voting rights, uh, on, on voter suppression, uh, on, on uh, environmental issues. So we are always in, in, in court. That's what we're going to do. But we're also in the community. Um, you name it, we are probably a part of it. And what we need from the people is this. You need to get involved in an organization, whether it's the NAACP, whether it's your local homeowners association, whether it's the DeKalb Democrats, the DeKalb Republicans, or whatever you feel like you need to get involved. But you need to get involved and you need to be present. I know the political climate now is turning a lot of people off. But see, that was what we made back in November. We had a lot of talking heads on TV people that we never seen before talking about, well, it was a lesser of two evils, so you don't even need to participate. Well, I hope y'all learned that that logic was dumb. It will continue to be dumb, and you need to hold the people accountable that said it. After we've done all that, we need to make sure we get people out to vote. Voting is the most fundamental right you have as an American citizen. That's why I wore this T-shirt. You know, the president, our real president, said don't boo vote. You need to vote every single time. You need to vote for your local dog catcher, cat catcher you need to vote for the coroner you need to vote for the probate judge you need to make sure you vote because you know turnout in georgia is abysmal you know we usually mm -hmm. get 30 percent of the registered voters turn out to vote and you wonder why things are so bad you got to vote but not only you got to vote you got to make sure your children understand why it's important to vote right if you want your schools to be better you got to vote if you want your roads to be better and we all we all dealt with 85 collapse you see how quick they got that road built 42 days, $3 million. Imagine we can fix all the roads like that. We can have MARTA going everywhere. We can fix yeah, all these things. Goes, I'm giving the side eye like, um, why is this not fixed? Why is this still yeah. happening? Why we still got potholes on the south side, but y'all fixed yeah. that, that interstate in 42 days. These are things, these are questions you need to ask. And, and, and so what I'm asking the people is the next time that you see a protest, come to the protest because the thing that people don't understand that the news does not report about the protest is that these are like family reunions. They are teach-ins where you can understand your civic duty, your civic responsibility and your rights and how you affect change. I'm going to give you an example. Karen Handel had a political fundraiser where she invited um, Paul Ryan to come down here. Mm -hmm. We had more people outside the fundraiser than they had inside the fundraiser. Okay. The whole fundraiser, they said at least six times, you see the energy on the people from the people outside. We need that same energy inside. That is what the resistance looks like. We are holding them accountable. The reason why President Trump 45 is having the roughest 117 days, but who's counting, uh, of his presidency is because of the resistance. You need to join the resistance because the resistance is wonderful. It is very strong. You know, when our senators, both Johnny Isaacson and David Perdue, decide they don't want to have town halls, we put up billboards calling them out. We show up at their office every Tuesday saying, you're going to listen to the people. And now they're saying, well, we're all flown in, we're parachuted in. No, no, no. These are Georgians. These are people that live in the 6th District, the 4th mm -hmm. District, the 3rd District, the 1st District. And these are all voters who are going to show up on June 20th. They're going to show up next November. And they're going to show up to every election after this because we learned the danger of not showing up. So that's what we need all the viewers to do. We need you to show up. Hold them accountable. Teach your kids to vote. Because I'm going to keep it real. You know, I'm a fifth generation Georgian. My great, great, great grandmother and dad
alert. My great great granddad grandparents were slaves. Mm. I don't have an excuse. I have no excuse to say, well, because they were beaten and they weren't educated and, and they were prevented from having the franchise, I can take a day off. No, we have a responsibility to our ancestors. We have a responsibility to all of those that laid down their lives in the civil rights movement. We got a responsibility to the kids in Ferguson and the kids in Baltimore and to Trayvon to make sure our voices are heard. Mm. Mm-hmm. And, and we have to make sure we do that. I mean, if we don't do that, there's no use in talking about this stuff anymore. So what I need y'all to do is to join us in this fight because it's just that a fight. And we will be victorious. It's as simple as that. You know, I enjoyed being on that show with Richard Spencer. Why? Because I told Richard Spencer and all of his, um, all of his supporters that there are black people out here that are not going to stand for this. There are brown mm. people out here that are not going to stand for this. There are gay, gay and lesbian and transsexual people that are not going to stand for this. So you can say whatever you want on the internet, but we're going to show up and we're going to show out. And those 150 people that were out there with those tiki torches, how about this? Y'all have a parade in Atlanta. You bring your 150. I'll bring my 15,000. Well, you know what wasn't widely reported was the very next night there was a counter protest in Charlottesville, and they had more, like like you're saying it, it's like when 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 the people who are for the people who are for justice show up, we outnumber <laughs> these yeah. other folks. So, like you're saying, showing up it matters so much. But I was just wanted wanted just real quickly before we close out, get your take on like you know I, I I understand the point about you know we need to show up, we need to show up. But you know, especially when we're talking about the black community, so many of us feel like voting doesn't matter. It's the system is rigged anyway. It's not for us. Nothing ever changes. How do we start building and reaching those people who become disconnected from the system or disengaged or disenfranchised or feel like it doesn't do anything? How do we start working and building with those people? Because we do need to invite them and bring them back in to turn things around. Whether we're talking about, you know, being down the south, south side, we're talking about being out in DeKalb County, um, you know, like wherever it is, we're talking about down in Florida. I mean, just wherever we're talking about, how do we begin to build in our communities that that getting people to trust, you know, participation um, as, as, a, as one of our tools, right? Yeah, and I think it's, it's real key. For those people that say voting doesn't work, it hadn't worked for me, you know, why right. should I participate? Come on down to the courthouse, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday, and look at all those black faces being shipped mm-hmm. off to whatever prison in the state of Georgia. And then ask yourself, hmm, either I can decide to participate and vote for people that have my best interests at heart, or I can just get in line um, with the, the fast train that's going to Jackson because there's going to continue to be over-policing in communities of color because you don't vote, and so you don't have a say-so. Uh, they're going to continue to be judges that hand out mass sentences and, and mass incarceration will continue to, to occur because you don't vote. And we're going to continue to have politicians like Donald Trump who say, you're living in hell, your schools aren't anything, you don't have any jobs, what else you got to lose? Well, I can tell you what you got to lose. You got to lose to Jeff, Jeffrey Beauregard Sessions, who's now implementing the war on black people, part two. So again, I'm not interested in rhetoric and theory. I'm telling you what I see every single day. When I go through the communities and, and they ask, well, why are the sentences so stiff? And why is everybody going to prison? Because you didn't participate in the, in the franchise. And why do you think that the first thing they take away from somebody convicted of a felony is their right to vote? Mm-hmm. Because that's your ticket out of the system. So people stop believing, you know, and that, that's one of the reasons I've, I've taken to social media. Because I, I'm, I'm, I'm bringing it real. I'm not telling you what I read about in the book. I'm not telling you uh, what I learned in the ivory tower. I'm telling you what I see in DeKalb County Superior Court every day. I'm telling you what I see in Fulton County Superior Court. I'm telling you what the law says, not a theory. And so we need people to participate. If you don't participate, you can't complain. Because again, the police chief is appointed by the mayor. If you did not vote for the mayor, you have no right to complain about the police chief 
who's sending the police into your community. You can't complain about a judge who's elected if you didn't help elect the judge. It's as simple as that. It's basic civics. So what we have to do is give people a basic civics lesson to understand this is how the system works. It's called a democracy. It means it's run by the people. If the people don't vote, they don't have a voice. If you don't have a voice, you are powerless. If you are powerless, you will continue the cycle of poverty, the cycle of disenfranchisement, and the cycle of, of, of neglect and abuse by the system. So we need people to participate. Um, it's very simple to participate. Now, we gotta, you got to educate yourself on what the issues are. That's not that hard. Make sure you know your elected officials. Go down to their office. They're just like anybody else. Go sit in the office. Go make the phone calls. Go email them. Call them. Find out what's on the docket for that day. Some of the language may not be as as uh, easy to understand at first until you start following the trail and you start saying, wait a minute. So gentrification simply means moving the black people out, selling their land for a higher price and moving people that don't look like you in. Um, economic justice just simply means more jobs and more resources into the underserved communities. Uh, homelessness, very simple e issue, can be simple, can be solved very simply. If we stop massively incarcerating people and use that money that we're using the $40,000 a year it, call, it, it costs to incarcerate somebody can help provide job training and housing to house them somewhere else. And it can help our educational system. These are all the things that are, are, are dealt with by the electoral process and by the three branches of government, the, the executive branch, the legislative branch, and the judicial branch. And, and it's, basic, it's basic civics. So we, we have to re-educate ourselves and reacclimate ourselves and really stop believing those folks. You know, look, I like going to the barbershop. It's cool. But I'm not going to get my advice from the barber and the dude talking in the barbershop. I mean, think about it. You go to uh, the side of the, the corner to get uh, any type of health care? No. So you need to go to the professionals and the professionals will tell you the truth. They will break it down so you can understand it. It's not that hard. And then they will lead you in a direction that, that needs to be led. So we need more of our professional leaders to step up. We need the churches to step up. Stop preaching prosperity and preach truth. The truth is that our communities are under siege and we have to do something about it. Mm -hmm. You know, the preachers of the past, the Dr. Kings of the world, even, even Malcolm in the nation was preaching about the conditions of the people. You know, I, I'm sorry. If, you don't, if, you, if it means that for everybody to have a house in your church, you can't have a Maybach and a jet, well, maybe you don't need a Maybach and a jet. I wonder who you're maybe talking you about. Worry, <laughs> maybe you need to worry about the flock. Yeah. I'm just saying. Um, and so, I mean, I think, I think that's what we have to do. It's not that hard. We have to really care about our community again. And, and, and as for me, I'm going to be in our community. You know, if I'm not in a courthouse, I'm, I'm marching in the community. If I'm not marching in the community, I'm at a school. That's another thing we got to do. Seriously. We got to go back into these elementary schools and back into these middle schools and back into these high schools and have real conversations with our kids. That means every day. Not once, once a month, uh, not once a week. Every single day. Because they're looking at us as examples. And we have to be positive examples and positive role models. We need the doctors, the lawyers, the engineers. We need the, the, the nurses. We need the sanitation workers to go and show them a different way. Because everybody's not going to be an athlete. Everybody's not going to be an entertainer. You know, Charles Barkley told me something that was real interesting. This is coming from a Hall of Famer. He says he goes into schools and he, he asks them, how many of y'all want to play in the NBA? And everybody raised their hand. He said, okay, listen. I played in the NBA. I think he played 15 seasons. Nobody talks about the guys who played three seasons who are barely making ends meet. You know, the reason why Charles doesn't like to do a lot of video games and stuff like that is because they won't give him money that he can donate to the older players who didn't get a pension. That's real life. So once I love LeBron, I'm actually watching him right now, everybody can't be LeBron. And we need to tell these kids everybody can't be LeBron. And for these entertainers, that are living a false 
narrative for the kids. Listen, if you run around with choppers and Mer Poly, uh, Ma uh, Molly Percocet, you're looking at 15 to 20 years in prison. I can, I can count uh, the number of artists that have come into my office crying, talking about I didn't know that shooting at somebody in a, in a crowd could get me 20 years in prison with the real killers and dope boys. Let's just be real with the kids. So, I mean, you know, it's time. You know, Dr. King didn't give his life. Malcolm didn't give his life. Um, you know, Marcus Garvey didn't, didn't have to go to another country for the foolishness we're doing right now. And so we need to be um, the fair-minded, honest people that our four parents raised us to be and help this, this next generation to understand mm -hmm. that everything you see on TV is not real. You know, we need more Cosby shows. We need more different worlds and less Real Housewives. Well, I appreciate you so much for taking the time. And, and I think, you know, we need to have maybe some 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 scare, a scared straight tour with, with Attorney oh, yeah. Jerry Briggs yeah. <laughs> happening in, in, the, in, the, in the Atlanta metro area where we can live stream it for some other folks around the country. But but I mean, you had you touched on a really great point about engaging uh, our youth in particular in, in civic engagement and just helping them understand how things work. Um, my son is, is, is in middle school and he actually got to do junior achievement. Um, this is a second or second grade. And he got to learn about how to budget and write a check. And, you know, there's so many of us wow. that say, like, I wish I learned that stuff. And not all schools have the same access to opportunity like that. And so we really do need to have eyes focusing on our elementary, middle and our high schools, you know, because maybe, you know, maybe there's some some resources that the community could provide to make sure that certain programming is happening. Make sure that, you know, kids because there are kids, you know, maybe all the kids say they want to be the NBA player because that's what everyone knows. But in so and so might want to be I, I did a I did career day last year um, at my daughter's mm -hmm. high school. And there's a young lady who wanted to be a funeral home director. Wow, and okay. I, I, I was just like, oh, okay. I have no clue what that takes, but it was so fascinating that she wanted to do that and no one knew what to tell her. So, you know, we quickly pulled up some stuff on our phone, like on our, on my phone, like during the session to kind of give her some links, maybe, maybe, but, 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 but it kind of got people thinking like, you know, we need, we do, we should ask the kids kind of what they're interested in because you may have some who are interested in things, but there's no one around them who does that to maybe like give that, you know, a little bit of advice, like, well, maybe you need to do this or look at this, or maybe you need to consider this, like, but, but, but what you just, but, but really touching our youth, you know, and youth can be used to help mobilize and engage older folk too. Right. You know, exactly. when kids come exactly. home and start talking about, I mean, how many of us learn stuff from our kids, right? Like all the time they, they soak it up. So, I mean, mm -hmm. that, that is such a great strategy on multiple levels and it helps create a new generation of leadership as well. A new generation yeah. of accountable citizenry. So I really appreciate um, what you had to say. And, and, you know, I'm sure Ice Cube might disagree a little bit about getting information from the barbershop, but I mean, really great points about having people who know what's going on in our communities and understand how the process works, you know, helping to educate, you know, others around them. I mean, we can't have the blind continue to lead the blind because, you know, they'll end up down the wrong path and it, and it won't help anyone involved. So um, this has been great. Thank you so much for joining me this evening. I appreciate no, you. Thank you for having me. And uh, to follow up on what Ice Cube would say, he was in American race and he was talking yes, about racism was. in Hollywood. So I, I think, I, I think Cube would agree a little bit. Yeah, I know. And I think that the biggest thing is we got to get back to where we were when the community was together. Now, of course, we were forced to be together. That was during uh, segregation. Right. We had all the professionals and all everybody else in the community together. We can still do that. I think the Internet will draw people together uh, in a way that we haven't seen in 50, 60 years. And, and you know, we have to have some some self-love and some self-care but we have to be real with each other, you know, and, and I think that's what's missing. We're not being real with one another. We're not holding each other accountable and, and we're not giving the kids that village because it's going to take right. a village to fix what's going on. And I think we can do it. So, I mean, that, that's my hope. Uh, I'm always here. If you want to have me back, I would love to be back. Um, Definitely. And, you know, I love this platform that you're using. I think it gets directly to the heart of the issue and I will continue to push people to come. Uh, to 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 be a part of the platform, to listen to the platform, because I think 
We're in a new age of media where, like yeah. Donald Trump says, we can cut out the middleman now. What he doesn't understand is he's pushing a false narrative. Um, we're going to push the real narrative. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much again. I appreciate you. Thank you. All right. Good night. So this night. has been another edition of The Way of Noah. That was my guest, uh, Attorney Gerald Griggs, who joined, joined to talk about voter suppression, voter fraud, how we can get involved at the local level. There's so much focus on resisting Trump, resisting Trump. Yes, Trump is Trump, for lack of a better terminology. I'm trying to be good <laughs> with my vocabulary here. But there are so many different strategies that we can start using at the state and local level to address the issues, many of the different legal issues, many different laws, policies that are directly impacting our lives are decided at the state and local level. Um, there was one other story that I want to touch on real quickly before I close out for the night. Um, you know, other additional changes, you know, Trump has still put forth, you know, his proposed budget that'll be taken up by Congress. And um, going along with his budget are proposed cuts um, in education, uh, in various different areas, some of the ones affecting higher education, since that's been something that a lot of folks have been talking about, you know, higher education, funding, financing, you know, providing opportunities for, for, for students to be able to, to, to get that, you know, next level, um, you know, cuts to things like student work study, uh, Pell Grant. Um, one of the things that, that directly, you know, affects me and other people that I know, and, and I know since a shock for a lot of folks, um, is the public service, uh, loan forgiveness program. Um, there, there is talk that possibly with some of the proposed changes from, from the president, um, that this program would actually be axed. And we're actually coming up on the first 10 year group, right? So this is the first group that would actually be eligible, um, coming up, you know, in the next year, I think it is, they'll be eligible for, 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 for student loan forgiveness if they've been working for 10 years, um, in public interest. So there's actually a lawsuit pending, um, that was pending against, you know, the Obama Department of Education. Um, because of some ways that some people's work had been interpreted and then so they thought they had their 10 years and now they're being told they don't. So that it's, it's a lot of really interesting stuff going on, but, but these are things that, you know, the, the president, it's, it's, it's Congress's job to pass a budget. It's Congress's job to make sure these things are, are fully funded. So these are issues that we need to start paying attention to as collectives and we need to mobilize. And I know there's a lot going on. I know that we all have our daily lives and things that we manage on a regular basis, but it does require an uh, increased degree of engagement that that many of us in this current generation, at least, are not necessarily have not been um, as used to. But but you know, like Gerald mentioned, you know, with social media, we had the opportunity to 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 do petitions and do massive phone banking and all types of stuff to really help move in the issue, move the needle on the issues that matter. The last thing I wanted to, to just let everyone know. Um, you know, there is the People Summit taking place next month, June 9th through the 11th in Chicago at McCormick Place. Um, I believe that the website's People Summit, the peoplesummit.org. Um, if you are, you know, African American, I'm actually the one that is approving those applications um, for African Americans for running as the, as the affiliation. But it's a great opportunity to network and interact with other people. The deadline is May 19th for applying. There is some travel stipend available for those in need. Um, really a great convergence of progressive minds and, and, and people from all across the country, really putting a focus on trying to engage folks in the Southeast in particular, as well as folks out West, you know, outside of, you know, basically the, the California, New York hub, not that there's anything wrong from, anywhere from New York or Cal California or DC, but really trying to engage activists from the deep South other areas that may be traditionally overlooked in the general political landscape. Um, there's a lot of moving pieces. We are heading into the summer. Um, we are 50 years from the summer of love. Summer, we're 50 years from, um, I mean, summer 67, there were so many powerful convergences of people and energy and ideas that happened. And, and we're in another pivotal moment where we really can uh, build on the convergence of movements, ideas, people to, to, to leverage not just a win in an election cycle, whether it's the different special elections that are happening or, or municipal elections that are happening this year or the uh, midterm elections coming up next year, um, but really creating, you know, tighter community bonds and sustainable engagement. Right. To then lead to sustainable uh, uh, change that is that we're able to maintain. So this has been the way of Fanoa. I am, you know, I thank you guys for joining me once again this night tonight. Uh, the video will be up on YouTube in a bit and it'll be available on other platforms. Thank you. 
Uh, and good night. Peace.